your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. So, welcome to the big interview, hashtag Stay Strong series on the Selk Grassroots podcast network. Tonight, we are talking about the men in black, the referees, uh, love or hate them. Uh, I'd like to think you love them. Uh, they're an important part of the game. Uh, the lawmakers, the law keepers in the game, uh, much uh, in the new, in the news and on all sports channels at the moment, with uh, decisions being debated and and all sorts and death threats and, and whatnot uh, being made against professional refs. But we're here today to talk about refereeing at the grassroots level, where it all begins. Um, I'm joined by Will from the Kent County League, uh, Dave from Westfar, Jim from the OBD SFL, uh, Martin Cassidy, the CEO, founder, um, I don't know how he describes himself, of Ref Support UK, a fantastic charity uh, there for referees who have um, been abused um, or, or need support in any way through their refereeing career. And Gav from the Two Up Top Football Podcast. He also, I think he doesn't, I don't think he referees anymore, but he, he has refereed at a decent standard uh, in the past. So he's here to, to talk about his refereeing career. Guys, how you doing? Evening. Good evening. How are you doing, everybody? Hello, Andrew. Yeah, all good. Hello. Uh, so the introductions. Martin, if we could just go straight to you, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, a brief history um, of your refereeing career and uh, why you found the need to start uh, Ref Support UK. Mate, uh, hello everybody. It's good to see everyone working yeah, together for referees. My um, background's obviously from Liverpool, originally born and bred in, in Anfield, right under the lights of the stadium. Moved down to Somerset 31 years ago. I hadn't ref, I always played. Um, started playing around here in Somerset. I was always a troublesome bloke. I was a um, teenage dad, married dead young, very violent, long criminal records. So when I moved away down to Somerset from like, you know, a, a hotbed, hotbeds of Liverpool, you know, and all the footy there. So coming down to Somerset, it was a massive culture shock for me. You know? mm. I couldn't quite cope with it, really. I was always, every time I'd go on a football pitch, I was fighting. I was always getting sent off, always getting in trouble. So um, after getting sent off, six times in one season. But he asked me to run the line. So I was I was running the line. I was always violent. I always wanted to fight with everybody. But I never ever wanted to fight with the referee. There's always players. That's why you can't get me heads around people assaulting referees. And good long story short, I was doing the line. The referee said, oh, you're, you're, you're quite good. You know, you know the score, really. And I said, well, I think I'm better than you. I, you know, I thought you were shite. And he said, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I said, yeah, yeah, that's it. I thought you were shite. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you take the course? So typical scouts, I said, yeah, well, I wouldn't back down. So yeah, well, I took the course. My knee was, was, was doing me, doing, you know, giving, giving me loads of uh, jib. So anyway, he, he, he phoned me and says, yeah, I like the course starts in a couple of weeks. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to say, yeah. Long story, took the course, just, a, just about passed. Didn't realise how much I didn't know about, about football, really. Mm-hmm. I was, all the stuff I was giving referees grief over, I realised they were right and I was wrong. Flew through the system from starting my very first season, I was on a football league seven years later, my seventh season, as an um, assistant referee. 
I think what helped me was people realised I was I was a player, even though, you know, when my first two seasons of the referee, I was wearing shin pads and people couldn't put their heads together. Why I was, <laughs> just, I was part just part of the match. Just part of the match set up for you. Well, well, to be honest, I just didn't feel right playing football all my life and pulling socks up and not having shin pads in there. It just didn't feel right. Mm. And then it uh, did really well. Uh, started doing premiership games. They had, they had things called TBA, which is to be advised. So anyone who was in the mix for going up to the Premier League as a lineup, you'd put you on games like Redden, Redden, Watford, Redden, West Brom, Sunderland, Watford, when they were in the Championship and bottom of the Premier League. And then uh, I got injured. I did Aston Villa Burnley. Funny enough, at Uriah Rennie. It was an absolute brilliant and bit of a hero for me, really. And uh, I just had to stop. I was, I was gutted, absolutely gutted, uh, riding high and, and everything else. And then the FA phoned me and said, look, we're advertising these, these jobs to be a referee coach at Wembley and bringing in the next generation of level threes and two Bs and stuff. Well, two Bs was a couple of years later. As an interview, started working for the FA. <laughs> Didn't realise what they knew about me because I was chairman of the referee association around here for a long time, and yeah. we started this mentoring scheme to so people abroad. And I didn't realise they were just keeping an eye on me and just said, "Look, we want to do this nationwide. We want to have coaching mentors nationwide." And past the interview, I then took control of the whole of the southwest, Gloucester down to Cornwall, across the Hampshire, found the next two generations. So that was my background in you know in a round of effect of, of, of referee. Is there any point of anyone else doing anything now? I mean, like, I just heard that story. I might as well just pack up and <laughs> quit. <I'm ready. laughs> well, I, think, I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the beauty of, of refereeing, you know. And we'll get on to some of those questions about your biggest achievement and your best moments. And obviously, Martin's might be completely different to ours, but that's the good thing about refereeing is that you get through. You can choose to go through the levels. You can choose to be a level seven your entire career and just and do that do those level of games or you can push or you can go on and, and do what you want I mean some people's family lives and work doesn't allow them to to push on through the levels and, and um, like me for instance I got to a level five and really that was about that was about as much as I was ever going to be able to do I was never going to be able to nip out at three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon from work and get down to wherever um, wherever I needed to be on the south coast, that, that's never really been an option uh, for me. Anyway, less about me. Uh, Gav, let's get on to you. Tell us a bit about yourself and your refereeing career. And as good as Martin's, I wish I, w- I wish we were able to build up to Martin. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 well, we'll finish that's on thing. me. But, uh, <laughs> you're going to tell me now, like, oh, I did this, I did that. No, but um, no, I, I started refereeing. I actually took the course on uh, the first week of. January 2009. It was the earliest I could have booked on because I was I used to work in pubs and bars. I've always loved football, played at a young age, never anything overly special, but I played the game, analysed the game, love it more than anything else. Literally mm. cut me open, I bleed football. And um, I was watching, it was it was uh, it was Liverpool versus Everton in the League Cup. And it, you remember it was on ITV. And I remember it being, I remember it so well because there was an equaliser and they went to the break. You know, like there's a mad, like there's like TV commercial on, and then they come back and they flip it back, and there was a goal, and it's like, what was going on? But um, I can't remember who the referee was that day, but I didn't feel like his performance was any good. And similar to mine, it was like, well, I think you're crap, sort of thing. It was like, well, one of my mates was like, oh, if you think you're any good, why don't you go do it yourself? And I was like, yeah, all right, and I will. Um, I don't know, uh, Martin, if you know him, Dave Avent. Dave Avent, he's a, 
yeah, he's um he's on he's on the football league now. Um, he it was him who was in there because um in, in the boozer that I was that I used to work at because um he was a student at the time in Northampton, so I was like, well, okay, you know, I'll go ahead and do it, and I did it, and I couldn't believe it. Like, I imagine like everybody else, it's a case of you think you know football until you become a referee, and over the years, I constantly tell my friends, just do the course and just do your six games because you will have a way wider understanding of football from a referee's point of view and have an understanding as to why these decisions are being given and things like that. So, yeah, I, I achieved, uh, I got to level four. I didn't get any further, which, you know, part of it was me. Part of it was a real bad assessment for something that I have no idea. Um, Darren Brockwell, don't know if you know Darren Brockwell, but like he, um, he, was my coach and he came down to, to watch me and he assessed me and, and marked me down for a particular mark. And I was, I, I, I actually undermarked what Darren said, but this actual referee went even further south for whatever reason. And that completely screwed my, screwed, screwed my mindset, screwed my, my opinion of it, but I'll bounce back and I did everything I could. Um, I was much better assistant referee than I was referee. And I know that and it proves it in my assessments and that as well. And I did some really good games over time. Um, did some uh, FA Youth Cup games, um, did Women's FA Cup quarterfinal. Um, been to Norway, did Norway Cup. That was quality. That was, a, that was, a, that was, that was something special. Um, did loads of the Premier League under-18s um, tournaments and stuff like that as well. So, you know, it's, it's nowhere near as, as shiny as some people's career. But for me, uh, for the time I did it, I, I, I did have a good time for, for a lot of it. And, you know, it's a bit late for me to go back now because I've got two kids. I run a podcast, got a full-time job. I'm also on the darts as well. Just bought a new surround for my dartboard and that as well. And I said, D1, won a couple of tournaments recently as well. Well documented on Twitter. But um, yeah, it's refere- refereeing is rather special, rather special. And it does take a particular type of character to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be, you have to be big and brazen or you have to be small and quiet. It just, there's just something mentally that, you need to, even if you are just going to be refereeing as a level seven, or if you make it to the Premier League, you, there's just something that you need to be wired with. A bit like being a goalkeeper, really, isn't it? You know, you don't choose to be a goalkeeper. You have to have something something going on in your mind in order to do it, I think. Definitely, but definitely. It's, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and also, I wanted to prove a point as well, that you don't have to be, because when, when we were growing up and stuff, it was always like, if you're a referee, you're always hated or you're a tax man or you're this, that, or you're other. But I was a salesman. I worked in pubs and bars. Um, I don't want to toot my own trumpet, but I'm very popular in Northampton. Lots of people know me for, you know, being the person I am. So for me to be a referee, it almost sort of like paved a way for other people to think, oh, bloody hell, you know, you don't have to be in a particular way. Like you just have to have something about you in order to be, be a referee. So no, I, I did enjoy my time for most of the 10 years that I did it. Talking of bonkers, Dave Hooker, tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> sorry, Dave. Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> surprise um, Well, it's completely different to you guys, um, you two. Um, I started, I mean, I, I was playing at uh, sort of 17, 18 years old, only Sunday League level, um, similar level to Westford. Um, may have even been Westford, or its predecessor, as it was then. Um 
So that was back in late 80s. Um, I then went on to, I started to manage my girlfriend at the time. Her mum and dad ran a, a, a youth club called TNT Dynamo out in Penge uh, in the Shirley and District League. Mm-hmm. So I was running the under 11s side. And uh, majority of the time, um, never got a referee. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, the teams must agree on a referee. Oh, it'll be it'll be the youngest coach, uh, which was generally me. Yeah. Um, so I ended up in the middle, and the club said, "You know, do you want to do a referees course?" So yeah, all right. Um, ended up doing the referees course, traipsing over at Albury from from New Cross every week to do this course without a car. It was oh, not uh, not clever, especially when the the exam was in Tolworth. Uh, it was hard. No car, trying to get over there for an evening exam was a nightmare. But um, yeah, fortunately I got through, I passed. And, and then the next year I started started uh, work driving buses. So I went to shift work, sat Sunday work. And so I had to say to the kids, you know, sorry, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to leave. Yep. And uh, couldn't do that anymore. So carried on refereeing. And yeah, that's sort of where I've been ever since. Slowly made my way up to level five. Um, thought about level going to level four, put my name in the app because uh, I lost lost a load of weight. My job now um, was allowing me to, um, but then things didn't go right and uh, the weight started coming back, <laughs> and I was never going to get around that track. <laughs> Lockdown. Uh, so, Will, we'll get on to you, and we'll save the we'll save the best till last, Mister Mister Kenny down there in his uh, nightclub. Uh, seat that he's sitting on. Uh, Will, tell us a bit about yourself. Good evening, Japs. Um, so as for myself, uh, I've been officiating now for around 13 years. Um, I signed up in 2008. So um, I was good at, well, I wouldn't say great at football. I played football as a youth in school, mm-hmm. school competitive team, local youth football club. Wasn't that great, really. And to be honest, the only reason I got into refereeing was actually because I was a little so-and-so at school and I was always finding myself either in detention or isolation and they used to say go to the library and grab a book and for me grabbing a book was finding the smallest book in my favourite section which was sport so I just picked up this random book took it back to my desk read through it it was how to become a referee with Puerto Kalina on the um on the front page took me about five minutes to read but I read it about three or four times and every time I read it I thought actually it sounds, it sounds quite interesting was the um, was the author of that uh Keith Hackett I couldn't tell you I don't you know I will find no, out I didn't think, no I didn't I didn't <laughs> think so <laughs> <laughs> but it just made me think I just thought you know what that sounds really interesting maybe I can give it a go yeah. so on the back of the book there was a contact number for your local county FAs uh mine was Kent um, and I called up the office uh, um, the next day. I uh, spoke to a lovely guy called John Newsom, who used to yeah. be our referee development officer. Yeah. Um, he said, yeah, I'll put you onto the course. It's one starting in January. It's one evening uh, a week for eight weeks. And then you complete the course. It's a couple of months later, I completed the course and was supported by some great officials on the course and went from there. So I said, we'll officiate now for 13 years. Um, I'm a level five. Uh, made my way through progressively, not too quickly, uh, from seven to six, six to five, and really enjoy it. So, and I'm also now, uh, for the last four years, been an appointment officer for the Kent County League, which is yeah, thoroughly indeed. enjoying. An ex-colleague, an ex-colleague of mine on that team until I 
realized that you and Steve were far too efficient at it and I wasn't really needed so I got my uh, I got my few I think hours work, a work allowed work allowed us to do that probably not, not so much now uh Jim over to you well well what can I say from all of them um comments from everyone talk about feels like I've been in some games on a Sunday out of my depth a little bit now um I'm a I'm a level seven um, played football, um, really the game. Um, felt that I was a good player. Um, you're wrong about that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe, you know what? Sorry, yeah, I was a good footballer. I was good, <laughs> um, done, done quite a bit. Um, I used to get onto the um, the charity days with um, the league with the Auckland and Bromley yep and uh, I was coming to the end of my playing um, I couldn't play twice a week anymore Saturday and Sundays and um, I got on with Dave Muller really well and we were just chatting and I still wanted to be involved on a um, on a Sunday and um, I said I was thinking about doing the course um, and he said why not it was, it'd be good for you uh, be nice to have someone who's played the game and played in this league for as long as you have. So I'll give it a go. Um, um, level seven, been doing it for four years now. I've got no interest whatsoever of going any higher. Quite happy where I am, giving back to Sunday League football um, that's given me so much joy over the last 20 plus years. Um, so yeah, that's where I am. And to be honest with you, the first season um, of refing um, was the season after I won the Kent Cup on a Saturday. And um, obviously, I was happy to win. But then I was refing on a Sunday the next season, and I had a good game. And Joe, when you have, you, you know, if game if you're playing or refing, yeah, yeah. I was over um, Club Langley, and I walked off the pitch. And I was bummed because I felt that every aid I was on uh, was right. And I just thought to myself, Joe, you know what? I'm bummed And I was playing. Even winning that Kent Cup, I didn't have the same buzz as what I was doing in the middle again. Yeah. Um, so it gave me a new lease of life within football. So, But that's where I, I am at the moment. Yeah, played it for a long time. Uh, got into it through chatting with um, Dave Muller on the Alton de Bromley. And um, yeah. Fantastic. Listen, I, 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 we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to, to people like uh, Martin's uh, refereeing career. That's a very, that's very much like Martin's probably the 1% of refs. And I don't mean to undermine what you've done, Martin. Obviously it's fantastic. But like when you hear Jim saying, I'm I just, I'm only level seven. That's all I want. Don't be don't be negative about being that. That that is the level of referee. That is that there must be the, the the majority of referees are level sevens, and and you're the lifeblood of refereeing. And you need to you're as respected as any other level. You go out. It's the same as any other footballer. They they're out there on the same park you're refereeing on. The same ref is refereeing is refereeing the game. We're all the same regardless of 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 level. And yeah, I, I don't like hearing things like that. When I started refereeing, sorry, go on, mate. It's not often I'm nice to you. Oh, sorry, I, I to- <laughs> no, no, no. I totally agree with you. Sorry, I might not have came across right. I, 
I mean, I'm happy at level seven. I've got no visions of moving forward. I'm quite happy where I am. Me, me and you go out um, and I, I do lines for you. Yes, Love it. Me. Brilliant. Stitch you up as much as I can. Jim doesn't listen to the pre-max. Jim's like, okay, wait, 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 Jim's like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, wait, 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 right. Later on, we might realise that I listen to the pre-match too, too well. Okay, just bear Jim, that in mind. Jim is Jim is that assistant Lino that in a on a like friendlies and charity games. I must add, he hasn't he hasn't done this in a a, a proper game. <laughs> he likes to give free kicks that are on the other side of the pitch, so not in front of him. He likes to give them on the very far side and does things like that. And yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but sometimes, some, sometimes there's charity games which are five nil to one team, right? Yeah. So I think if I give a little free kick here, it's a charity game, right? And then I give a free kick, and you just look at me, give me that, give me that Andrew Wheat and Death Stare, and I don't know you. Yeah, that's that's something that's perfected over the last five years of of uh, refereeing. Anyway, so this is the nice <laughs> stuff we get to talk about. Um, what did you what do you class as your biggest achievement in football as a ref? And and I'll start with mine because I think it's not a particular game. It was when I started refereeing as a level seven, all I wanted to do was be a referee that refereed in the highest division in anywhere that I that I refed. So at the time it would have been West Valley, Orpington and Bromley or the Kent County League. Um, and for me, all I wanted to do was get was be a referee that refereed regularly. In the in the in the top division of those leagues with linos, it was it was very important to me to ref a game with linos, and I gave ref sex loads of grief about can I have a game with Dave? Dave will remember, but I used to be terrible when I first started, um, especially when I was going through the promotion schemes. I was super keen to, to to progress, and I was at level five after I think two or three years of refereeing. I went straight into to promotions. I failed my first seven to six promotion because I finished in November and Nick Dunn put me straight into the promotion scheme then and it was I wasn't ready and I got my I got my pants pulled down by some assessors which is which was good because it gave me a kick up the bum to to do it properly and to take it seriously and to not referee differently uh, if an assessor or an observer whatever they're called now um, an observer was at the game so I failed my first one and yeah my aim was to to referee in top in the top division of wherever I was um, on a regular basis, and I'm glad that I got there in the end. Um, Gav, what was your what was your um, biggest achievement? Um, beginning of January 2014, getting an email from Moas telling me that I'm going to Guernsey. I was oh, so nice. excited, so nice. excited, man! I was living in London at the time, so that that was the, that's the standout fixture. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. You go into Guernsey and you, yeah. oh, it was um, Burgess Hill they were playing against. And the, the games in Guernsey are on telly. So they, so I was, I was having to do a TV game. I was like, this is freaking awesome, man. So yeah, we flew out. Um, it just Love so that. happened. Oh, mate, it's epic. But the issue was that day, though, was that the, it was the day of the high storms, February 2014, the high storms. And we were flying out at 5 to 12 in the afternoon, it, it, like, in, like, in, at lunchtime. And a flight, we were flying with Errol Reini. And 
Air and Fly B, they had a flight to Guernsey as well. Theirs was at 10 to 12. It took off. Lovely. R1 got delayed and it got delayed and it got put back and it got put back and we didn't fly out until half past six. So we didn't get to Guernsey until quarter past seven and kickoff was meant to be at 7.45. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we ended up, yeah, we ended up kicking, kicking off at half eight because the thing is we meant to get there at lunchtime that's chill out with they they put you up in a in this golf resort and you all got these hotel rooms that are you know one one room per person like one person per room i ain't saying anything it's so big it was like it was like the the presidential suite in in a penthouse like each room was they're all massive all get fed nicely it was it was it was brilliant but yeah the game we got the game off in the end which is great um and they paid but they paid us in uh, in guernsey pounds and you can't use that in england so i didn't know so the following day i was driving back and i was running out of fuel i was like right okay i'm just gonna love um love like 20 quid of petrol in and i only had the match fee on me and I took it to the petrol station and they were like, we can't accept that. But it's the only money I had. It was so embarrassing. But um, the, that, the actual game itself, it, it wasn't too bad. Guernsey won 3-1. Um, what was weird, we flew out with the Burgess Hill players and officials. So then there was me, two other match officials, and then all these people, like 30 people on this, on the, on this plane going over, to, uh, going over to Guernsey back. But when I got that email through, Oh, might I send you a second email straight after if you get a Guernsey game get a second email straight after about code and conduct and what you can and what you can't do and that sort of stuff which I think was really good from the FA really professional how they handled it and stuff but just just being able to, to go referee a competitive match on television whether it be local or not it doesn't matter it no 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 epic. not at all that's excellent Will your biggest achievement in your eyes and to me, I mean, you can think of county cup finals, league cup finals, FA appointments, my first FA cup appointment on the line. And I think really main for me is the biggest achievement is actually officiating a level of football, which I probably couldn't have played at that level. Yeah. That's really, I mean, I knew I wasn't that great of a footballer and to officiate at a higher level than I could ever have played as a footballer. That was my biggest achievement. Fantastic. Dave? I think Will's just stolen my thunder, to be honest. Pretty, pretty much exactly the same. Um, although looking back, uh, yeah, FA first FA Cup uh, appointment um, before Moas, so you actually had a letter drop through your letterbox saying you've been appointed to this FA Cup match. Um, that was that was special. Again, County Cup finals. Um, but I suppose there's one standout. Um, and it's not to do with refereeing, really. But if it weren't for my refereeing, I wouldn't have been in the position when I got a community award from London FA about three or four seasons ago. Okay. Um, and that meant the world. Um, yeah. But That's had awesome. I not been a referee, I wouldn't have got into other bits. And, uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Can I ask um, you a quick question um, before before? Did did anyone else think it was uh, anyone think it was spam when you first got your FA when you first got an FA appointment? I didn't when you know got, what that was. I didn't know what it was. FA comp the referee sort of thing. Yeah, it looked, yeah. It, <laughs> I was like, what's this? Yeah, I've had I've had two FA Cup. Of, I, I think it was against teams that I would see every week anyway in Scaffold or or teams that I knew very well anyway. So it wasn't 
didn't it wasn't that special in terms of seeing different teams but yes getting that email through I didn't I didn't understand what it was and we have we obviously have things like pit side refs and and that that look a bit like uh, that that system now but it was completely new to me so yeah I did I thought it was spam but it my, my one my one was down at Maidstone United oh, nice. when, they were, when they were still at scaffold level okay. so there's a fair crowd there as well I know I did a, a league game around that time and I don't know whether it's the league game or the cup game it was against Whitstable and uh, there was a I was on the line as a senior assistant and it yeah I mean I, I've got some real stick from the crowd because of because of my size yeah, but because it was from a number of people, I found it less personal and more banter than it was when it's one on one. Yeah, or just one or two people. Yeah, so yeah, it's quite. I know the feeling. In 2012, I used to have a mohawk, and um, <laughs> I did um, I did Western and Diamonds. It was like this is when they just reformed again. So it was an under 18s team that were pushing through, and they had a cup final in Corby. And there's been about four or five hundred people there, and they're all singing. Um, we can swear on this, can't we? Yeah, yeah, do what you want. Yeah, um, no, 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 uh, no, 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 but then the mohawk came off yeah i was gonna say how long how long did the mohawk last after that about three weeks <laughs> jim jim go on we'll get on to martin uh, last because i'm sure it's uh it's a uh, an excellent one but uh, yeah jim so yeah i think for me personally um obviously coming across as a player um it was probably getting having the recognition from of um in my first season my, getting the cup final yeah. um on the line um that that was pretty pretty special to me personally that um a new boy coming um been told I've done all right um and then at the end of the season to get the email I'll oh, come to come for a cup final thinking I'll be fourth official or something and I actually got got um on the line for it um, so that probably probably for me to be honest with you as in, in in refereeing terms weren't you the oldest ever recipient of the young ref of the year as well <laughs> well I didn't want to bring that up to be honest with you um yeah that season I also won um they changed it to new Referee of the year, but on the trophy still said young referee of the year. But I'm holding on to that, man. I'm yeah. holding on to that. Right? It says young referee. So, um, do you, yeah, do so you use that as identification when you get, <laughs> get ID'd? <Yeah>. Like... <laughs> I'm like, no, no, look what I've got. I've got the <laughs> But no, it's um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. First season to win that award. Um, especially when there was a couple of other young referees really well now in that league um, and to get the cup final. Yeah. Um, I think there was a bit of acknowledgement from moving over from a player to a referee, which, which I miss. It's fantastic. That is, uh, that is excellent. Uh, Martin. So your, your biggest achievement in football as a referee. 
mine was actually taking up refereeing. It was such a challenge to me. I didn't, I didn't have any confidence really that I could get through a game getting challenged and not want to fight with anybody or not one. It was always a really big problem for me. It, it really, really was. And, and when I got through it, it, it was it, it was a big achievement for me because I realised then, you know, digressing a little bit, I've been asked to do some um, talks in jails to criminals and tell them about the journey that you don't have to carry your, your demons with you for the rest of your life. And they always say about the journey from going from what I was to you know, getting on, on the Football League and, and, and becoming a chief executive of charity. But it was always about being able to control myself. It was a, it was a big achievement for me, really. Um, so, so that was definitely the first game against teams that had a rough name, teams I had battles with as players. That, that, that was a, a big achievement. And I'm, I'm very big on, you know, with the, with the lads saying there about the lower level of footballers, that, that, that's where I get most impressed. I don't... I don't. I think we get it easy. The, the higher you climb the ladder, it's easier. And I think yeah. when I see people on their own and they're judging the game wrong because that's they're the heroes of the game for me, not the people who get to the to the football league and that and they're out with yeah. like teams of threes, teams of four, getting police escorts with cameras everywhere. I'll, the the actual sevens and tens and eights and fives. That's refereeing for me. That's, that's always has been refereeing because I know I know what it takes to. To like be there on your own and and maybe your natural instinct is to do something that you know you shouldn't do, so you don't react naturally because you believe in the standards of being a mass official. So yeah, I've, I've done games, you know, big crowds and and all that, but but that's my achievement and that's why I that's why I wanted to start rest support up to give those people a bit of a voice, not just just go on about everything's always perfect in our game because because it clearly isn't. And so yeah, I, I any game that anyone does. On their own, isolated to control twenty-two individuals minimum is, is just uh, it's where it, where it's at for me really. And I missed it when I, when I went up and my first ever football league game was against the hero of mine was Jan Moby. Jan Moby oh, was manager of Hull, massive hero of mine. So got big family, got loads of brothers, and I was telling him, I'm going to see Jan Moby today because the football league game. And he said, Well, tell us if you talk to him, tell us what he says, tell us what he says. But after the game, he, he, I phoned my brother, he said, you talk to Jan Moby? I said, yeah. And he said, what did he say? I said, he called me a fucking little prick. And I got beat one nil by Exeter, and uh, I just allowed the open to draw, and he, he called me a fucking little prick. Oh. I got I got long before I football, I just put it up. So, like, so that's, that was an achievement, but yeah, honestly, I, I don't want to sound like a patronizer because... It's the stories I hear all the time with the helpline we run as a charity and all the messages we get from people who are too scared to say stuff uh, publicly. That you know, that I, I believe that's that's where refereeing is. That's the you know, 99% of the games plays away from cameras, and uh, to me, that that's where refereeing is. Absolutely. I mean, most of the football is is on a park pitch with the ref turning up on his own half an hour or 45 minutes, whatever, before kickoff, sitting in a crap changing room, and then he's going out. Or they're going out, should I say, he or she going out on the pitch and trying to battle through the second half if they've had a if they've had a stinker or if they've had a good one, but they're getting green uh, in the second half. That's that's ninety nine percent of football, and uh, yeah, I agree with you there wholeheartedly, Martin. So the best moments. This is slightly different, perhaps, to achievements, but what sort of moments in your refereeing career uh, stands out? As as your as a favourite, I mean, mine. I will go with mine that 
uh, county cup finals have been fantastic. Um, getting two league cup middles, so a Westford Cup middle and a Kent County League uh, middle, massive achievements. I, I always always liked getting cup cup final appointments, but being in the middle, uh, there was nothing. There's nothing quite like that for me with you know decent crowds that you never get um, on on normal on a normal Saturday or Sunday. Um, those those things really. Um, those cup finals are really something I treasure. Um, it took me ten years to get a cup final uh, on on the on all of the leagues that I that I refed on. I got my Alberton and Bromley final last year. I was I think I was about the fifth official because they had they had three fourth officials. So um, it was it was um, it, it's a bit uh, tenuous. It's a bit tenuous, but um, I'm taking it. I'm taking it that I've had a cup final in every league that I've refereed on. Uh, Martin, what's your best moment in football? Well, my best moment was shutting up a bloke who was giving me loads of shit for the whole game. Everyone who knows me around here will always, typical scouts, always got an answer, always got a quick answer. Was this lad who's just giving me loads? He had a massive nose, really, really massive nose. And he was giving me loads, loads and loads of shit. And I'd, I'd give a foul throw against him a couple of times. And he, um, and again, I was a bit wary of him because it was like, it was pulling, it was pressing all my buttons and, also, you know, I don't want to do anything untoward, so I'll do it. Do it. I do it with banter. And he was he, two foul throws. I get. I, I give against him, and he took the foul throw. He was right on the halfway line in front of the two dugouts of the players, and he's giving me. He's taking one step forward, going, "Is this the right place, Steph? Moving back. Is this the right place, Steph? Time to get out of me." And I was already done, done it, and he stood right on the halfway line. I said, "Look, look, look! Your feet are in the right position, but your nose is in the wrong half." For me, that was a stepping stone to think there's other ways to control your temper, there is other ways to control. Let's take the piss. So, yeah, that was a massive moment for me where I thought, yeah, there's a there's other skills to be involved here. And Dave, Dave Hooker, what's your best moment? Um, I don't. You got your stand. You got your county cup finals. Um, never, never had a middle on an adult cup final. Um, had a couple of lines. Had some fourth officials, um, like for county. Yeah. Um, some youth ones. They were good. Um, but what I think what I take most pleasure in is where I've been referee secretary and uh, an observer or assessor as it was. Yeah. For for so long. Um, I've seen referees start their journey and then continue on the ladder up. Yeah. And I, I you know, seeing um, people get further on, you know, uh, people like Jamal Horn, who, who we mentioned before, yeah. um, observed him before before he was um, higher up. Um, I, I, a couple of years, uh, was it last year? Con Hatsidakis was on the line of the FA Cup final. Yeah. Yeah. Like 10 minutes, 10, 10 years previously, I'd appointed him as a referee on the London Kent Border uh, Cup final. Yeah. Um, admittedly, he wasn't one of our referees. <laughs> well, that's another story. But, um, you know, he, he was still floating around sort of scaffold and conference level. Yeah. So he wasn't well known. And it is just like, yeah, things like that, people I've, I've, I've seen and, and they've made their way. They've gone started been underneath me and gone past and gone up. Yeah. And that that gives me a good feeling. Yeah, that's great. Uh Gav. 
Um, I'm going to be cheeky. I've got two. I only asked for one, but you can have two. <laughs> Very quickly. Right. One of them is, because <laughs> um, I can't remember the game, so this is the quick one. Um, giving, uh, playing advantage about 30 yards out, literally stinging by ours out, saying playing advantage. Yeah. The ball got pinged out to the right wing, crossed in, goal, boss. And I, I felt like I was going to celebrate with him. But the reason why it was so good, it's better than a goal. The reason why it was so good is because it was, I, I was getting assessed. I looked up to the assessor and he looked at me and he nodded his head and went down and carried on writing his book. That's why it's impressive. Yeah. Um, and and there was and the, no greater feeling no, than not. that, is it? Especially, so if it's a little, especially if it's a little tight one in right in midfield where you think, oh, shall I, shall I? And you just do it. And luck, you, get a, you get a lucky break and the ball goes out wide straight away and you just go, play on advantage and you stick your arms What, what made it even better is that I went back and booked the number six as well. Oh, high marks! Beautiful. Honestly, what? high marks. For that. <laughs> um, yeah, I got I, literally. I got a seventy-eight for that, and that put me right in contention just before I had my shocker game. Um, but um, the other one was um, I was driving to work, and I was listening to Talksport, and they were looking for a referee for the Talksport Trophy um, that was getting played in Wales, and I decided to call Talksport, and I got the gig. So I went down to <laughs> Wales. And I refereed that game, and it was like loads of it was. I can't remember the name of the Welsh team to be honest, but it was all it was the um, loads of the presenters like Colin Murray was doing it, um, Mickey Gray, he was an arsehole, um, Dietmar Hamman, um, Perry Groves, um, Steve Bunce, Phil Babb. Like it was loads of like the all the all the like a, a charity team that was put together and they raised loads of money for charity. Danny Murphy was playing as well, and then we all went out and I loaded beers, and it was. Bloody awesome. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That was my favourite moment of refereeing lately. Uh, Will? Um, for me, best moment is not really what's happened on the pitch or achievements of cup finals, but it's actually meeting the different characters around football. Yeah. So whether that will be a ground hopper, spectator player, uh, or even a volunteer at a local club just doing the grounds. Yeah. Uh, groundsman, I think you call them. Sorry. Um, I was introduced to the local RA as soon as I started refereeing uh, in 2008. Um, so Thanet Branch, now sadly closed, but I met a good group of people my age who were sat in the corner. Yeah, we had a little prank or two every now and then. Yeah. But to do the journey of refereeing with them together was fantastic. I mean, one of them's Jack Patman now, he's a level 2B, climbing high up the ladder, I can see him going far. Uh, another friend is level 4, but we're all talking all the time. And if it wasn't for football and refereeing, I'd been introduced to the local RA, I would never have met them. And... I mean, I'm best man to one of their their weddings next week. So, uh, to me, it's just more about that meeting the different variety of people I would not have met before. Yeah, I think, I think you've, you've touched on something that's sorely missed now um, and not appreciated by the youngsters was the referee societies and the branches. I mean, when I, when I first started refereeing, um, I joined, or shortly after I started, I joined the Bromley branch and uh, people like um, Steve Bennett, and uh, yeah. Ralph Ralph Bone, I think was was that his name? I think assistant referee on the football league. Yeah, he's a coach. Um, he's a coach on football league, Ralph. Yeah, um, he, he they were members, and I remember sitting there talking about and having this argument with um, with this referee over a over, over a scenario. So I think, and I'm right. Finding out later, he'd done the FA Cup final the previous year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. 
the RA was fantastic, but it got a bit dated. Yeah, you, yeah. Had yeah. This, you didn't have the young people's commitment, so to speak, to turn up to those meetings on a regular basis. And it was the same old few faces, week in, week out, yeah. who just wanted to argue about, oh, who's looking after the treasury or who's doing the minutes or something <laughs> like that. It wasn't about development after that. And then technology exactly. came in. And I, I mean, I applaud Martin for what he's done. And we Ref Support UK. It's given someone a platform elsewhere to just talk and discuss about stuff. Uh, which most of the RAs now have shut down, sadly, um, yeah. especially in my part of East Kent. Um, but it's so important to network, so to speak. You do it at your work, you do it in your private life. Let's do it with football as well. I think that's why Mastermind was so good. Mastermind was, was it, it helped change the game. Like RA meetings in Northampton, there was a lot of young referees, but then a hell of a lot of old ones. And it's exactly the same as you will it's like oh yeah you know there's there's 614 pounds in the benevolent fund i don't really give a shit to be honest like not in a bad way i don't mean it in a bad way but I, I, like at the time i was like 22 what difference is that going to make to my life i don't know you know why don't we talk about some drills why don't we talk about some tight offside decisions and yeah. let's try and get better at those and run workshops to make it better and yeah mastermind for me was when I moved down to London it was just like whoa this is what it's meant to be like I uh I was a member of the Bromley RA for a little while as well and um <clears throat> to be honest I went to about four or five meetings and I think like like Will said it's a bit dated and it seemed to be a few old boys that were always there every week sitting in the corner moaning about how what the laws are now and all the, all this that and the other and it it turned me off completely because as you, as we've also said there's no there was a few youngsters that were there they come and went and but there was one piece of advice that I did get from an RA from an RA meet and it was Phil Cheverton when I first when I first um qualified I was super keen as I said and I went along to the RA meeting and he said selling selling your decision is going to be the biggest help so being able to sell it if you even if you're wrong or you think you're wrong selling it the players the players won't have a clue so Good whistle, get your arm out, nice and confident, and the players and the players won't be none the none the wiser. If you're limp with your arm and, and you're not sure, then they'll just feed off it straight away. So that's the what that's the best piece of advice that I took from an RA, but an RA meeting. I, I give that a lot as I give that advice a lot as an observer. Yeah. Um, I just say to the referee, you know, when you're out on that pitch, you're a salesman. Yeah. And you're selling yourself. True. And if you don't believe your decisions, how's anybody else going to? Yeah. So you've got, you've got to sell it. Trying to have that conversation with people that have never refereed a game is the hardest thing in the world, especially with the way that the media portraying referees, all the stuff with, I can't believe we've gone this far in without mentioning those three letters. But then, you know, it's just with everything that's happening at the moment, this is why I always say to, I say it to my pals, I say it on, on, my, on my podcast, I say it all the time. It's like, if you are in WhatsApp groups, go and do the course, go and do it and go and referee six games. It's not hard. Like once COVID is over, just go and do six games. It doesn't matter who it is. And then you will get much more of an understanding and exactly what all of you guys are saying, selling, sell, sell, sell that decision. You have to give it, even, even if it's the right decision, 11 players are going to turn around and say it's not. So yeah. you have to be confident with it and just strong right arm, strong left arm, like bang, is a throw in this way or whatever. But yeah, if you even if you know it's going that way, you just lift it a little bit, they're going to question you. They get on your back, your confidence goes down. And as soon as your confidence goes down, you've lost the game. You've lost it from minute one. 
they're a stinker as well. Bad, a bad game. Players think refs are just there to ruin the game. But um, <laughs> I, uh, when I've had when I've had a bad game, I know it can ruin. It can ruin at least uh, two days of my week following that one. So absolutely, what players don't realise is it if if they get on your case and they're constantly on your case. I know in my in, in my you, you can take a bit, but after a while, it's not going to help their cause either, is it? No. And, and your decisions may get worse because it is going to affect you and it ain't going to improve your game. No. Mm. It's interesting because there's, there's the two things there that I kept quiet about is the RA and obviously selling decisions is referees, are, is, it's just about as important as what you don't give. Selling yeah. what you don't give is where the skill comes in because people think, you know, when, you're not, when you don't blow your whistle, what, what are you doing? You know, you're just spectating or you're managing or you're predicting or you're... And it's all the things that you don't give and how to sell what you don't give is just important about what you do give. Mm. It's always been a big, a big part of our coaching schemes. But going back to the RA, I, I was a massive, massive advocate of the RA. It changed my life, the RA. The people in there, they kept me on the straight and narrow and realising that, like, you know, being in Albert and being violent isn't the way to go. It really helped me. And I ended up being chairman of the RA in Western Supermare. Become one of the biggest in the country... We used to have people coming from Devon, up Bristol, you know, one hour to come to our meetings because they were so popular. Yeah. And the reason it was so popular is that we didn't do any of the nonsense that you were all just talking about there. <laughs> I did minutes. It got four by so many people. I just said, look, we're not doing minutes. We're not, we're not going. I don't need to know what's in a bank account. We'll, we'll build a website for that. Gonna, yeah, but I'm not, on, I'm not on a website. Well, that's your problem. That's the, you need to meet yourself. <laughs> and, and we had this, we had, because we had young referees, you called them boys on your little corner. And when we started, we used to say, look, boys on, you've all got to say something tonight. You've all, you're not going to sit there and have your kind of coach thinking you can turn up here yeah. and please him because he's the RDO or whatever. And just because you're here, he thinks you're a good lad, you need to be participating. So, And then we brought in, at, um, we went to tournaments um, in over, over in Holland every Easter. So we would pay for 20 people to go over to Holland We'd have a whole weekend of, and we're talking like 16 years ago now. We all go over there, everything was paid for. We got sponsors in, we had free tops, we had free kickbacks. The only condition is the money you earned over there came back in to go next year and yeah. we got sponsorship. And then we did things like we, um, if you come to an RA meeting for three times on the trot, on the fourth time, you got like one of those big wheelie bags, big, you know how they all the pros have. Oh, oh, why did I live down the wrong way? They're expensive, man. I bought the order of the wrong one. Hey, mine was like a body ago, bag. We were doing that 15 years ago. Well, the referees down there were getting called the trolley zollies. Yeah. <laughs> we made them, we made them um, our own expenses cards. So when he turns up at a grassroots game on their own, they just give an expenses card. Everyone knew it. It was all adding to that professional and on the on the dolly trolley awesome. bags. We had a big logo on the back of the sponsor. Was that like a Fomoa style thing? Almost. Remember Fomoa? Yeah, the Fomoa stuff, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it that 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 premise that you were using to get all these like yeah, all the yeah, bags and stuff. We did, yeah. And what we said was we do think we always put free food on. So we go to a chippy and say, listen, we're gonna get all the referees here. And we come to your, come to your chippy after the game on a Saturday. So will you give us three free chips? Just bring in a load of plate of chips and we could brought then we bring then we did a deal with a local pub and said, look, if you give us a couple of tray, trays of um sandwiches, we'll make sure all the referees come back to your pub. 
after the game on Saturday. Yeah, I used to love that. Junction 15 oh, for yeah. us. That's what it was. J15, no matter what referee it was, from all over the... All we're over all from Northampton. And that meeting made us, like, really powerful because everyone wanted to come to us. So we had yeah. the problem with our county FA. They knew if the upset was the Super made our day. It was like... And then my wife got diagnosed with cancer. Um, had to stop to look after her. Uh, we had annual dinners. We, we had 120 people on annual dinner. We had waiting lists. We'd always had the comedy on. We made a rule like you don't wear a tie. You come to our dues yeah. and have a crack. Oh, and you can get pissed. It's okay to get pissed. We don't care if anyone from the FA is there. Awesome. Get pissed awesome. So we had this massive thing. So when, when my wife got diagnosed and she's okay now, I had to stop it. It just felt a bit. But in five years, it was closed as a branch. It's gone. Yeah. What, what my problem is with the FA and always has been is that it doesn't need the board, it doesn't need a national name. It needs people in the community around the area where the referees are to give that support. Yeah. When I hear about Massively. the FA getting money off the FA and none of that goes to a branch, it goes to a, a convention where you've got to pay five pounds for it. Yeah. And then they get money off the FA, which technically means you don't go public with the criticism. You're getting gifts off the FA, you know, cup finals. You know, I don't think that's the image of, of an organisation that should no. represent referees. I don't think it is. And that's why when I started at Ref Support, I wanted to do it as a registered charity. I didn't want it to be a membership organisation. You only have to pay us money to get our online e-learning, which is £10 a year because it costs more than that to actually upload videos and do all the online e-learning. So we're free and we proved that like, there's an army of people out there and I smell it with all you lot. But you would help people for nothing. You would all give back. Yeah, yeah. For nothing. I, was, I, was, I think we all did. I, I, I think we all did as re- as referees without even knowing well, that we yeah. were doing it. Like when you like, I, I got to level four, and when but like when you from level five, you were able to referee the, um, the under 18s flood lit league, and it was the best league. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Stuart Burt used to do games on it. Nice. Um, even when even when he got his FIFA badge, he was still doing games on it because he loved it that much. Um, Andy Walmer, he he was doing games on it as well. These are not Northampton boys. I love these two guys as well. Um, Pete Kirkup, he would come out and do these games as well. We just call him Reverend because he didn't drink. Do you know what I mean? And I we just call him Rev. But um, you know they would come out and do this do this league. But then I would. I was refereeing these games as a level five and a level four, and I'd ask Stuart Burt on my line. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like I've got to deliver like a pre-match to this guy, and he's got a freaking FIFA badge, Matt. What am I meant to do here? Matt Bonacisi, you know, level 2A, like doing bits and whatever. And I'm thinking, but they did yeah, it because they loved the game. For you. What better Well, exactly. For you. And they never forgot where they came from. And any time that I felt that I was getting too big for my boots, I'd always come back and do a Sunday morning game so, just to remind myself. It's like, right, okay. Like if I if I knew on the Saturday I was going to a big game, you know, like, I don't know, like firstly, second in the Southern League and I was on the line for that, I would make sure that that Sunday I'm definitely doing Sunday morning game because I need to make sure that I need to remember where I where I come from. This is the reason why I did this. I did a playoff final, um, a playoff semi-final, sorry, in the Southern League. And the following day, I did the two, the most aggressive teams, the worst teams on a Sunday morning. And it humbled me, humbled all, me so all much. That, all that, none of that comes from being in the RA. None of that comes, there's an army of people out there. The reason we've done so well is that there's loads of people who have a fallout with the, with the FA or a fallout mm. with the county FA or a fallout with a league or a fallout with the RA. And they don't want to give anything back. But they've all got loads to give back. 
And they go, stop that, I'm not coaching for them. They did the whole for me. So we created this sort of hole where just do what you want. If you want to come and coach for us, just come and coach for us. Mm. You want to just come oh, and do it twice a week, do it twice a week. If you want to do it once every six months, then do it once every six months. It's that which, which we all got, all of us, every referee in this country, it's got someone who helped them, not because they were in a member of an organisation, because they wanted to help a fellow referee. That's where it's gone. That's where it's gone. I'm not going to have a dig about the RA getting cup final tickets because without them, I wouldn't have got to the 94 cup final. That's great. I, I, I actually think, I actually think um, it's a good idea. I actually get it. Say what, what I was on about was, um, thanks for that, mate. Is, um, no, no, they give, they give oh, yeah. tickets out for the FA Trophy, FA Vars, don't they? They give a thousand yeah. tickets to the members. That, that's what I'm on about. Why should it? And in every single county FA in the country, the RA is a minority. There's more people in every single county in the country not in the RA than in the yeah, RA. Yeah. So why should they get any any benefits over those lads who, who aren't in it? And I just think the FA are going to do anything, do it for every referee, not just someone yes. who's paid a membership. Yeah. Paid for that's what that's what pushes my buttons. And I just think look look, give everybody the same opportunity. Core cause the same problem. Yeah. People go into core, and then when they come out, there's no help for them. No. This strategy. So you go from being in this lovely group, brilliant core. I believe in the essence of core. Don't believe in the essence of having a knee on the end for excellence. Don't know why you got the words in there. When you come out, you've gone from like wearing the polos, going to games. I'm in core. I'm in core. They get chucked out like that, and there's no, there's no, no one there to catch them and say, look, the reason you're core. It's so the whole little. Blitz and blobs of what's going on with how the coach referees and how they mentor them. It's just so wrong that it just pushes my buttons. I think I think you, you've hit on on something there with the coaching and, and mentoring. Um, just the way you see referees every day, really. And I, I'm not a great. I mean, I'm I'm an old hand. I don't know when you qualified, Martin, but um, I've been around for a fair amount of time now, and there was a certain way that, yeah, when I qualified, it wasn't great. You know, I, I'd done my exam. The next day I could go referee. Nobody yeah. was going to support me. That was yeah. it. I was out on my own. Yeah. There was no mentors. There was nothing. And I say to every new referee, the first six months are absolute shit. Yeah. Because yeah. um, you really don't know what you're doing. And no matter how confident you are, you know, unless you've, unless you've had a real good play, you know, career in the game, there's so much you're still not going to get right. Mm. Um, well, people but like yeah. you help, Dave, in your roles as an appointments officer, mm. you, you're vital in that. Yeah. You, need, you need to be a bit more forensic, because clearly you are. I've, I've, I've looked at what you do, about who you put on what games early on in those six months. But what tends to happen is that no one is as forensic as that. If, so, if, if you've got two people who want to kick 10 kinds of shite out of each other, you want to keep a face away from them as long as you can. Or like numbers, yeah. numbers game. But it's more people like you that don't get the credit they deserve who know who to put on what games. And people like you should be getting the support from people and the recognition mm -hmm. that you've identified a problem and, and, and manufactured a, a way around for these referees to go around those problems. And I think in turn, I appreciate what you say, in turn, I've got to pass that thanks on to some of the teams because I mm -hmm. do have a list of teams where I call them my trusted teams. And they must get really pissed off with always getting these new referees. 
<laughs> but I know that those teams aren't going to give this referee any trouble. So important. So important. What you don't want is a referee to come in. You know, I've just done my course. I'm a fresh level nine. I'm 19 years old. I'll do this game and it's the worst experience of my life. And I think, yeah. you know what, I'll give it one more crack and I'll do another game and it's terrible as well. I think, nah, I'm not doing it anymore. Because <laughs> referees are dropping off. Like, well, we're getting to that. That's, that leads us nicely into our, into our next question. Can I, can I just point out my deliberate mistake? It wasn't a 94 Cup final. It was a 2004 Cup final. <laughs> All my friends start correcting me. Was <laughs> that Millwall, Dave? That was uh, Millwall, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was also the year after my wedding. My one, my first wedding anniversary that weekend. So how <sighs> I got the year wrong, God only knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you'll get, you'll get another wedding anniversary, but Millwall will never get to the FA Cup final again. Exactly. Not in our lifetime. Jesus. Right, boys. So uh, this is Dave, Dave and Martin probably see, and Will probably see most of the fallout uh, for this question. Um, where can grassroots community improve with the attitudes towards refereeing and referees? Dave, what as a as a ref secretary in a an up and coming league, one of London's well, London's uh, most up and coming um, Sunday league. What do what do you see and what do you hear from from the community regarding uh, referees on a weekly basis? Your, your question, I, I believe, is is what can the grassroots community do? I think the grassroots community does as much as we can. Yeah. Um, very rarely do you get stuff filter up. Um, it's got to filter down from the top. Um, all the time, you see um, referees getting abused openly on, on games. Um, you get managers, players coming out. Players coming out. Oh, hello. That's just um, a glitch, don't worry. You get them coming out after the game, slagging the referees off. Yeah. It's going to happen further down. Yeah. And until somebody up top makes a stand and says you can't do that anymore that's out of order yeah and we see some stars leaving games early because they've said the wrong word to a referee then suddenly down at grassroots level things may start to improve this couldn't be more more sort of on topic at the moment with uh, lewis dunk and um luke shaw seemingly getting away with um with comments made about referees in post-match uh, interviews we saw go on, mate. media has to take take some uh, some of the blame here. You yeah, know, exactly. every, every decision is forensically analysed. You know, um, the, the dunk at the weekend. I've got to admit, I felt a bit sorry for him having yeah. the microphone stuck under his nose straight after the game. Where you got to admit, the referee didn't cover himself in glory. No, he no. knows he's had a, he knows he's had a shocker. He's gonna he's gonna walk off and and know he has. He'll get. He'll close but, the door in the changing room, and yeah, at half time he went for fuck's sake. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I've gone. I've put me hand over my mouth and gone. Oh fucking hell! Will's told me. Will's told me I've I've been wrong on decisions loads of times, and Jim tries to stitch me up for that to cause that sort of thing to happen in the game. We're allowed to be wrong on decisions. We're allowed. We're allowed to give decisions. I remember. I remember giving a penalty one time. And I literally was the only person in the whole stadium, the whole ground that thought it was a penalty. And as soon as I blew the whistle, I was like, that's not even a pen. 
but I've blown it now and I can't really do anything about it. Thankfully, you missed it. But then, like, someone else got the rebound. I couldn't really do anything about that. But, um, like, when you see things that have happened like that on TV, especially with those lovely three letters, how are they, you know, how can they account for themselves and how does that help young referees? I'm not a referee anymore. I I finished in 2018. But how do we then... What was the reason you gave up, Gav, if you don't mind? Was it family? I know you mentioned family earlier, but was it, no, was yeah, it abuse but, or, the, or the grief or anything like that? Haircuts, or, your haircuts? No, no, just remember I cut it. Oh, I cut it three weeks later, didn't I? That was 2000, <laughs> yeah, I cut it. I got, my, I got my level four that year as well. I was happy about um, it. Mohican helps me. Um, but um, no, it Stream was... Line. Streamlined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every assessment, you're is very quick. You're like, yeah. Barney, mate. How, did um, get, how did you get observed with a mohawk when and a, I had a ref tell me I had to have white tops on my black socks and a, an observer told me that once well, it, dep- it, dep- it, dep- it depends got, what it depends what assessment you get well yeah and like, people, people people would dig on some it, people can uh, just style then, it out yeah, exactly. A bit like me. But no, people would dig me out a little bit for it, including assessors. But then if I put in a decent performance and there's nothing that they can say about it, the issue was, is that my decent performance, I noticed, would only get me, say, only get me like a 74 or 75. Uh, and they've got nothing bad to say, no development points. It's like, how oh, is there development points on a, on a class one game, so to speak, because of the intensity and that sort of stuff, and I only got a 75. Maybe it was my barnet, and if I took that off, I probably would have got a 78. Mm. You know, so, but like, but I, I don't know that. Look, looking back, there's so many things I can look at. Looking back, it's like, ah, I know why you did that. Because I, I went from six to four. I did a jump. Okay. And I don't think, looking back, I don't think that was the right decision. I no. should have gone six. For, but my, my, my first game at level four um, was only the second time I'd worked with neutral assistant referees. Bloody hell. See, I, I don't agree with the double jump at all. Well, I do. Oh, I do agree with it, but only if you've got a bit of experience. I've been refereeing for a year and a half. That's yeah. too soon. Too soon. But then because of that... Sorry, mate. Go on. No, oh, no, no. What are you going to say? Because you might have part I had the opposite of that. I, I, I'm, I'm with Dave. I'm with both of you to a certain extent. Because mm. I had the opposite. I, I got told I was going too fast. And I had it in, in writing that I finished top on assessors, top on clubs. But because I've had so many promotions on the top, I couldn't go to level three. I'm going too fast. That's exactly what <laughs> That's bullshit. That's bullshit. If you're good. On my mother's grave, I've got that in writing to this day. So, like, I tell that, okay, then. Like, um, I'm an Arsenal fan. Jack Wilshere, like, he was he was brilliant as a kid. It was injuries that, that screwed him, let's be honest. When he was 16 years old, are they going to say, oh, no, I'm going to hold you back, mate, because oh, you, you're progressing too fast, mate, so we're not going to play you in the prep. If we're you're good enough, you're old enough, we're not I, I think. You, you and Dave said. 100% agree with that. It, it's because... If, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough, it's just as simple as that. Yeah. But what happens is, which is on the other side of the coin, is that when I started coaching first year level threes are coming up, we had development groups of the better referees who were going to 2A two, two and 2B when they stuck that in between. What you'll find is, I hate it when you when someone says to the referee at 18, oh my God, he's going to go all the way. Oh, God, he's going to... Yeah. So if that, if, that, if, that, if that referee hasn't got football league in five years, he's going to be classed as a failure. It's well, that's the, that's the thing. I think that's what that's what screwed me over because I was then feeling that it got to a point and like when I was, I got my level four at the age of 24 
um, just turning 25. And I felt that the FA and the boards and stuff were looking after all referees that were 25 and younger. And then the ones that were 40 and older, the ones that had already um, had a career, already played like yourselves and like rather had, had a playing career and now we're pushing through. So if you're aged between the age of 25 and 40 and you are not a level three by that point, you've got no chance. And Let me explain, Gav, let me explain a bit into, into where I was going with that, mate. Mm. Is that when I, we used to get, we used to have to graze out of groups of level threes. And, and when we had our appraisal with David, David Ellery and Neil Barry, one of the first things they would ask me was, how old is he? There you go. And, and it used to absolutely piss me off because I had some great referees. But what we find is, when they've come through academies, they've never been told they've had a shit game in their life. No. So when they come to us and we're going, listen, mate, do you know what, do you know what a nearly foul is? Do you, do you know what a nearly foul is? The guy, uh, uh, what? And then give, give me your, your assessment. I had one, one referee come to me and his dad was the observer coordinator for the supply league below, come up to me and I looked at him. What I used to do, I used to, whoever was getting promoted to level three, I'd go and watch them in the pre-season in July. I'd, yeah. I'd, I got a really good relationship with clubs. I'd organise the friendlies and I'd say, look, if we don't charge you for the, for the referees, can you put this referee on? And then, and so we had loads of little stuff like that going on. So I watched this lad three times in, in uh, August and he's, he didn't get any better. And I was asking him all little things about body language, about looking in control and and, and what not to say and when to say it. Never, never improved. So I said, right, so I watched him on his first few games at contrary level then, at level three, when the season started. And there was just no improvement from him. And I just felt like I was going back. I said, do us a favor, send me all your assessments from level four. There was not one development in that in those assessments. Every, every assessment has to have a development point in it. Because otherwise, now, you, you're, you're going to have to be in the prem. Yeah, they do now. Yeah, they do now. Yeah, they do now. Yeah. But, but like, I just got their own problems in it because you get referees doing, giving out gotchas. You get referees saying you got white soft socks. You get referees saying you, 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 you're in the wrong half. Someone was in the wrong half at the start of yeah. the game. Well, they've lost the observers. You can tell you've touched my button here. I'm bleeding the Some of the are absolutely magnificent. And I would take them to friendlies and say, look, I'll buy you a pint. Well, you do a pre season friendly and get in conditions to the next mm. level, level of football. Too many assessors assess to find a mark. You don't assess to make the match official better. I, I got, so I got, I, I did a local cup quarterfinal um, when I lived in Peterborough. And it literally, it was the best game I have ever refereed to this day. It had everything and I nailed everything. And I, when I do my self-assessments, I will always mark myself down. And I couldn't find my, I couldn't find a way of getting anything lower than the seventy nine. There was there was there was cards, there was penalties, there was need for advantage, there was times to slow the game down, speed it up. Everything. Literally had everything in it. Peterborough Northern Star when they still played in the Supply League, and um, and Peter and versus against Peter Sports, Peter Sports who have started doing doing bits, they're moving on forwards. And an assessor came to watch me, um, and. He was a level three referee who had had to stop for a bit because of injury. He, he was coming back, but he was injured, so he was out assessing. Because it was only only his third game assessing, his assessment didn't count and got re-looked at by someone else. It came back as a 73. 
How can you? He he marked it as a, as a, as a seventy nine as well. You know and I marked myself guys? down. Well, the problem is there with the whole the whole lot. And again, I, I've I've told them this, but they just ignore me. Is that 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 that's a few people's faults? That it's it's and what happens is it sticks you in the middle of it. When when, when it, an assessment is going to get moderated, it shouldn't be sensed. Shouldn't be sensed to the referee. And, and and I'm a great believer that you shouldn't even get a mark until the bandons come out. So what that does, that gives them time to critique the narrative. The narrative is all you should be interested in. The learning points. So if the narrative doesn't master arithmetic, the, the FA can change that without you knowing or without the assessor knowing. So what happens is they can have that conversation without looking at knobhead because mm. the, the, the FA's made the assessor look at knobhead. He's pissed off at the FA. You're pissed off at the assessor. You're pissed off at the FA. Nobody wins. They should just send you the narrative. And when the bandits come out, then no one will know who a high market is. No one will know who a low market is. You won't have people coming off games late because the assessor's on there is a bad this, mark. Yeah. It, it, it's very easy to solve. But, but for some reason, I don't know why they, they don't, it's very easy to split a PDF on Moab, Moas and just send you the narrative mm. and let them work away with, with, with moderating a, a, a report. But even the moderating process, I don't know what any organization in the world which appoints someone to something, assesses the people to assess the people they appoint to, and then moderate the people they sent to appoint. That's, that's it's such it's such it's such a backwards process, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help whether you are a, a fresh level nine, haven't done your six games yet. It doesn't matter whether you're a level seven, six, five, four. It doesn't matter. I think the whole the whole process is skewed, and it needs it needs change. And you know, I, I, I it it shagged my mind completely because I knew I've never I had I was good enough to be a level three referee. I knew I was, and, and to this day, I still think I am. As an assistant referee, I think I was good enough to be at Conference National as an absolute minimum. I don't think I was, I'm not going to say I should be, I should have a FIFA badge, this, that, and the other, but I know my qualities on the line. It, it, it was great, but I couldn't move forwards because I was being held back because of my referee mark being out by one or 1. 1.5. Do you see what I mean? And it's like, I think there needs to be more routes that are helping for those sort of people but with those with those things in mind I just felt like I was getting getting mugged off completely by the FA so I was like do you know what screw this I'm, I'm not you yeah, actually I'm not I'm not enjoying I'm not enjoying refereeing anymore and I, I ended up I ended up turning my back on it because Would of that I, I've, I've never had anyone come down and actually watch one of my games not even after six games or anything um, from from so the Kent FA um, I've literally put, done, my, done my course, been chucked in, and I've been left. I get email, emails, come on to this, come and one, come and do this with the FA, come and do it. I'm like, you can't even be bothered to come out and watch me, right? I, I don't even want your emails, to be honest with you. Um, I get more out of going out in a three with like, with like Andrew. Um, we've, we've been out loads and when I go out and I ask questions and stuff um, I tell him the wrong thing just to and, make him look bad in games <laughs> just to mug me um, and I was, I, I've had um, Dave Muller come and watch me one game um, and that, that was after my second game to be honest with you um, but he just came down as, like just to watch me and see how I was getting on obviously there was no marks or nothing but no one from the Kent FA ever come down and um, 
to look at any game that I've have done or I'm going to be doing in the future. So um, there is massive flaws in it. James, I don't know. We'll give you a mentor on your first six games. Did the FA say that? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. We, we, I was given, I was given one um, and I emailed him um, after my sixth game. Get do your six games. You should have had three games during your sixth day, shouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. No one. I emailed him after the So you don't have the... As we question it, we have we have meetings with, with the FA. I had one, one uh, not last Friday, Friday before on Zoom. And they say, oh, uh, referees will be offered a mentor. That's what they say. They don't say they will get mentored. In the beginning, they used to say, oh, yeah. they will get mentored. So what they say is, they say they would get offered mentoring. So it's... All the ones we talk to, at least 70% say, I haven't seen a mentor, they're like you. And then what you can do, which is outrageous, not blaming you, blaming the process, you can tick a box to say, I don't want to be considered for promotion. And no one will come out and look at you ever again in your referee career. That's an absolute failure on every team that pays a referee to referee a game. You should be obliged to be able to say, look, mate, if you don't come to a training update on law or just modern practices, then we're going to stop your referee and we're going to deregister. Because I'm not having it that a referee who goes out every week can't do one update in two years. I'm just not having that. Martin, you, you've hit a sore point with me. Because how many years have we been using Simbins at grassroots yeah. now? Uh, I think West were already a year, year earlier than, than the other leagues. There's a trial, I think. Really? Yeah. And uh, we've still got referees not using them. A lot of these are the referees who've been around for a long time. They are the backbone of the league. They're, you can Some of them you can stick in any single game, anywhere on the league. You know they're going to manage it. They're going to do it well. And the clubs mm-hmm. will come out, shake their hand. But there's still fundamental parts of law that aren't getting through to them because of what you say, Martin. But then on the other side of the coin, killing my own argument, our own argument, is if you say to these referees, you've got to do this training every couple of years, how many will go? Yeah, I know, I know. But then, but then we get people like James, who obviously knows what he's doing, wants just a little bit of support. Yeah. Yeah. If, he, if they give us, you know what, James, I'm going to come out and see you have a pint after the match. When they write to James and say, hey, mate, come to this update, he's more likely to come, isn't he? But what yeah. happens is he feels this yeah, and yeah. he's going, well, you're doing fuck all for me. Why should I give up my Tuesday night? To come and say problem. That's the pro- and it's the false promises. And because think, is, it's an example, it's an example of me personally of coming over as a player, right? Um, and I think it, it might have even been you, Andrew, actually said it that I had to stop thinking of a player and think of a ref. And yeah. the first few games, if yeah. someone come and watch me, right, I'm watching the left back and right back uh, and right mid bombing down, having a great battle. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's that's mustard. That's a good battle because that's how I used to play. Yeah. But to law, it's a foul. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't until I went out with like um, Adam Clayton and, and, and Andrew and, that, and they'll say to you, you've got to change the way that you think. You're not a player anymore. Right? No one from the FA is told me that. It's what, it's what you guys have told me going out with you lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's wrong. About the community, James, isn't it? That's, you don't need to be a member of an organisation to give that sort of help and support. No. And, it, and, <clears> and that's what, where I'm big on. There's so many people. How many Premier League referees do you know who's left the game the last five years 
none of them are doing any form of support because they they feel like they've been sort of. You've only got to look at Lee Probert and and uh, Roger East came off the Premier League last year. They're not doing anything for the PCMOL, but they're still doing other stuff for other people. Why? Yeah. And I think is that it just seems to be that it, we'll take who we want to take rather than who can give help. And it's I think a case of that was it was that tell you about the state of refereeing at the yeah, moment, yeah, and right. how does that encourage you, referee you, people to turn around and say, right, I'm going to be a referee, yeah, I'm going to do that. How does it encourage it? I think I think county FAs do um, rely on leagues an awful lot um, to to do these law updates and to uh, have meetings with their referees and and be be the sort of the voice for the FA. They don't actually say as much, but I think that's what they expect of leagues. I know um, I'm looking here. The three leagues represented here all do pre-season meetings yeah um mm. they'll do updates and stuff like that um but again you can't make the referee attend and as far as i'm concerned when i when i'm planning one of these meetings it will take me a good few hours to plan it um what what's going to be said how it's going to be said powerpoint stuff like that um getting getting guests to come you know we've had um Premier League or Championship assistant referees, um, and they come down. Uh, indeed, we've had Jeff Pettit come down as well um, for one of my leagues. And that I was love the- Jeff Pettit. <laughs> I uh, love so, yeah, that man. That that was when I was. He came to um, a referees meeting I did for the youth league I was involved with on a Saturday, and uh, when I was referee secretary there. And that's the most embarrassed I've ever been at a referees meeting when two referees turned up out of a panel of over 100. Mm. And, you know, you've done, you've done all that work. And, you know, on, on, on the Missandei League, you get the same referees generally every time. But at least you're looking at a round of about 25, 30. So it's a decent number. But, yeah. you know, that, that Saturday League one was two referees turned up. I just Dave, thought, if you're not willing to help yourself, how can anybody else help you? Dave, you, you're absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. It, it, do you know a respect league? Are you a respect league? Are you a, yeah. like a respect league? But what, what really pisses me off is that like, if, if, a, if a, a team doesn't go to a respect league meeting, they can get fines, 50 quid or whatever, can't they? They can get, so you'll punish, you'll punish a league for not going to a meeting, but they won't do anything with a referee. Why is it that? What message is that sending out from the FA that we'll punish the league, the, the team that can send someone to an update meeting, but they're not going to do anything to the referee if he can't be asked to turn it up? I think it's, it's such a. I think accountability bits that I think needs to change. If 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 they find, um, you know, if they find a ref a tenner or twenty quid or whatever it might be for not turning up to a meeting, then you know, in this in this particular area, um. The, the ref will just go somewhere else and Dave and totally. Dave is um, Dave's probably fully allocated with, with his games and refs every week yeah. so if a league if a ref says I can know I'm not paying 20 quid because I didn't go to a meeting Dave loses a ref he loses his 100% coverage that he works hard for every yeah, so week what, what happens if he said to the other league look I've I've been dim because he didn't do this would the league support you and that's okay we won't have him well I'm what's sure the that would be easy to manage 
Will, what's the crack on the Kent County League? Are you experiencing the same sort of issues? Yeah, I mean, but I want to bring back a little bit to what James said um, about the mentoring and the lack of support, so to speak. I mean, county FAs, I think, are relying solely on referees or ex-referees to deliver them as mentors, as observers. And they can either be out-refereeing themselves or by themselves mentoring. So there needs to be maybe something who's a gap where they can help support new referees coming through. My argument is don't invite them onto a course if you know you can't support them. It's just like chucking somebody into the first day of the job and never supporting them through it. It's not right. And as an appointment officer, I think we've, not reluctantly, but we've just been told, you've got to then welcome them in, support them and work with them. And don't get me wrong, I do that any time. They've got my mobile number, they've got Steve's mobile number and email, and we'll support them as much as possible. We'll try and go out and watch them as well. But also we need to make sure our league coverage is 100%. Uh, as much as possible to make sure every club gets a referee and I referee myself. Uh, Steve doesn't do much more. He's a bit gone old it now. Uh, Don't tell him I said that. Um, (laughs) If we we, we have the opportunity to go and watch them or support them, of course we will. Uh, Sometimes we don't know about it, but most importantly, the county FA should know about it. And that really grinds my gears when they're not being supported and we lose them. Mm. Uh, We've got 145 referees on our list and we cover around 60 pictures a week. Um, For us... Uh, most referees share our time between us, Scaffold, uh, or Bromley and Football Alliance League. Um, so we're not always going to get that maximum coverage. And we're always after new referees. And the county FAs, London and Kent, said, yeah, we've got this referee, that referee. But chucking them straight into the deep end to a step seven league is sometimes a bit too much. And they need to be supported in the lower system before they can make that jump. Um, and I'm going to yeah. be really blunt with the assessment criteria. When I was refereeing at seven to six, six to five, it was an old marking scheme where you got a number, say 71, 72, 73. It's yeah. too easy nowadays to get a standard expected. It sounds like you yeah. don't want to be bothered. Yeah, he's done all right. Standard expected, getting moved on, shipped up to the next level. The county FA reached their targets for promoting the same amount of be- people each year. Mm. And it's just evolving there's a lot of referees out there with good promise but they need nurturing and they need to not make that quick step jump i know age isn't a problem and age isn't a number if you're good enough you're good enough but you've got to be identified by that and go through the system absolutely well can i ask can, can i can i ask you a question you, you mentioned london and kent giving you referees do london actually give you referees so We've not had a great relationship with London FA for the past six or seven years uh, since Damon left, I don't think, because there was no one really in that London area. Um, yeah. I reached out to them just before the first lockdown, really, in February last year, saying, look, we've got a lot of teams in the London catchment area. And we, we realised that's where we're really short on, on officials. And we'd love to work with you to try and get referees introduced into our league. And thankfully, the new team who are there are really, really positive and engaging with that's- us. But they're still not as good as Kent at the moment. But uh, very that's good. The reason I ask is because we're the reverse. Um, we're crying out for referees, and we're right on the border. Um, but we've approached Kent, who've just basically gone, "You're a London league." Yeah, it's territorial. We isn't it? we it's send everyone talking to the Bromley. I mean, I, I had a, a new a new trainee referee as he was starting training. He applied to believe it or not, he applied to the London Kent Border League. And in Kent Suburban, um, and got pushed over to me because obviously John Bradbury was the referee secretary there. Claire Bradbury is the vice chair of Westfar. So she said, "Got this new referee wants to wants to become a, a ref, you know join the league. Name on you." It's like great, come on board. Make contact. Everything's good. 
and then find out he's training with Ken. Never heard from him again. Mm. But he's on the Orpington and Bromley. So I'd be very interested to know what Kent are actually saying well, I, to I can tell the three that are coming through. Ten years ago, Dave, I did a, I'm a Kent, I'm a Kent ref. And yeah. um, Ian McGrath did my training calls. A brilliant, brilliant fella, a lovely guy. Absolutely. Um, but they basically got the the Orpington and Bromley a ref secretary to come along and like they did, he did the eye test, like the sight test and the colour test and all that stuff and basically put an Orpington and Bromley application form under my nose to fill out. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know. And, and I that's think what Kent are doing really well at the moment with. So the Kent FA have asked us to produce a little document that we can give to their future referee courses and they can go, look, here's the Kent County League. If you're interested, this is what area they cover. This is the standard of football they do. Please get the touch. They need to make the first contact because we haven't got a clue who they are. But yeah. if they, as soon as they make that first contact, we'll engage them and we'll try and support them as much as possible. But then as soon as we take them on, so to speak, I, I think that the Kent FA and the London, all the county FA, is just like, right, they've got them now. Let's concentrate on the next yeah. one. And it's like, move yeah. on. It's not helping the referee. But I did a course, my course was in Alpington, so I, and they knew where I, and when you fit, you put an application form, you put your address on it. No one said to me, well, in that, in the area you live, do you want to, do you want a referee on Saturdays? Do you want a referee Sundays? No one said to me, there was the London and Kent border or the Woolwich and District League. It was, there's the Alton and Bromley. And it, it turned out to be a good, a good thing for me. But, you know, I think what Dave's saying is that Kent FA referees get pushed towards Kent, Kent affiliated leagues and London refs, obviously, uh, London and FA yeah. look after I'm not going to argue in London pushing them towards us because they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it goes no, both really. ways. Yeah. Uh, right, guys, next question. Um, mental health. I think it all ties into uh, the attitude and things we've seen recently in the professional games. Um, but mental health and refereeing, it's something that goes hand in hand, as I said earlier. Um, a bad game, a bad game can stay in my head, and, and a cringy um, mistake that I've made can give me nightmares for days after a game. Even if it's a a bottom division game, if I make a mistake, it, it really does affect me. A good game lasts about two hours, and I'm happy, and then I get grounded pretty quickly. But a bad game can stick with me longer. Mental health and refereeing, Martin, this probably uh we'll start with you on this obviously we've had an in, you had an incident that was pretty high profile and in the news in the summer um with uh satyam mm. being punched by a player that got a 10-year suspension reduced to five pretty sharpish um in terms of mental health um what do you see on a daily weekly or monthly basis from people that contact the charity we see we see a lot and and funny enough the only reason we haven't launched it because I've I've been busy today. But you guys in a couple of other zooms, we're launching um, mental health first aiders. So we're paying for twenty referees across the whole UK. So because remember we just don't cook, offer help to England. We do it everywhere else. Yeah. So we're going to pay for them to go on a, on a certified course to be mental health first aiders yeah. all across the UK, so they can get in touch with them and then they can signpost them to whatever charities or help they need. Not, these aren't going to be specialists about how to help with any actual mental health challenges, but first of all, they're a point of contact. Secondly, there's someone you can listen to. And then thirdly, they can point them to, you know, the people who can really help them in, 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 a, in a proper professional way. So that's our next elevation of, of, of what we do. On, on our hotline, when we started the hotline three years ago, we got 70 calls in the first month of people saying they got assaulted. 
Yeah. The FA are telling us there's only 70 a year. So that in itself was telling me there's, there's, a, there's a huge problem here. And and I took it on. If you look at the, the statement the, the FA made last week about how many salts they have, he said there was 15 or whatever it was, not proven cases, he said. Well, that's the first time we've ever released the not, the not proven figures because we've been asking them for ages saying, well, shouldn't that go in the numbers who were salted? They got assaulted. It just wasn't proven out of hearing. And then they've changed, they've watered down E3 contact with a match efficient now. So, so there's the whole watering down process has been going on for a long time. But, mm. but the mental health side of it is what we discovered very quickly, uh, particularly with the hotline, was that people are phoning up and saying, I'm not going to report it because last time they never did enough about it. Satyam will never ever report an assault again if he carries on never in. Because look yeah. what happened to him. Yeah. Then we have people saying, well, look, I'm too scared to report an assault because I'm going to see them on, on, on a school run. I'm going to see them in the supermarkets in, in my local pub. It's not like Mark Clattenberg doing Chelsea Tottenham. They're not going to bump into him. He's just going to get a bit of stick on social media and not, off it goes, he can, he can hide it. So it's recognising all these mental health challenges to referees. Well, I'm sure all you know, in your games, you've bumped into a player or someone you've sent off, you've booked. And it's, it's, it's quite a regular occurrence, isn't it? I was even in Egypt once and got, oh, scouts, it was a referee I sent off. So it's recognising what the mental health challenge actually is to a referee and where does that sit and what help can we, can we give? So I know there's a huge problem out there. It's going to get worse. The last mental health lockdown, people came out like caged animals. I've been absolutely battered over the last week over this Give the Ref, ref a Hands campaign. Yeah. Now, I mean, what, people... Carl, what do we think of that, boys? As a, as a, just a quick, what do we think of that as tokenism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about. Don't that, think like, it's need, needed. On how it was framed. You, you think it is needed? You say, Jim? No, I don't think it's needed oh, at all. Yeah. This is what happens with it. This is the double-edged sword of dealing with the media. I've got a great in with the media. It was on Sky twice last week. Sky Sports News talking about Darren Drysdale and, and my team. The downside of it, the times, because I I talk to the media, national media, and regular cadence, getting stories out. The Times, I told them the idea of give the ref hand and, and what it was. Now, they put it out with a picture of Mike Dean mm-hmm. and that, it's all about clapping a ref out. If it was on about clapping a ref out, I would have fucking called it give the ref a round of applause, but it didn't. So what happens was that article went out in the Times behind a fucking paywall. So people just looked at the photo, looked at it, and I'm sure you've all fell into the same trap and thought... Oh, he, he just wants to clap the referee out. Is it fuck that? Mm. I'm livid about it. I've been absolutely stitched by the times. Because this is about give the ref a hand to create an environment young refs can fl- flourish in. Give the yeah. ref a hand for us all to come back a better game than we went into. Give the ref a hand to make the game more enjoyable. But Martin... The for that. Martin, is that... Is that... The young refs out. Your thing there, though, is that going to sell papers? Is that going to sell anything? Come on. No, it's not. No, but the meat, like, the thing is, journalists don't see it like that. They'll see it, they'll see it as this, and it's like, right, how can we, how can we, how can we do this? This is going to sell. This is going to pe- get, get people talking. Everyone used all thoughts. It was just the clap and the ref hands. And what yeah. happens was when Sky put it up and said, give the ref a hand, 
it's, it, that was just an activation to say, right, we're going to give you a hand for, for an environment for young referees to flourish in. I didn't want it to go past under under 18 referees. They can fucking Mike, Reed, Mike Dean on there. Killed it. This is all about, and what we did, we went to a load of leagues in the Southwest, because that's where our strength is, and said, look, would you, would, you, would you do this? Would you ask your teams, not the refs, the teams to give the refs something, just to say, look, we're going to give you a hand today. We're going to stop that knobhead shouting at you. We're going to give you a hand. We're going to give you a hand to make sure the game's all right. We're going to give the ref a hand to do this. Not one bit of saying give the ref a hand of applause. The clap was just a play on words. Yeah. The clap was just to activate this atmosphere of positivity. It's totally being missed by every fucker. And I I'm think quite a lot of clubs that. are doing that. Uh, not as many as we'd hoped, and not in the way of you can see it noticeably, but I mean, talking about personal experience myself, sometimes you have a bad game, you get maybe the club secretary or the groundsman, Reggie, walking off the pitch. Everything all right, ref? You're all right, don't worry, mm. you had a good game. And that's nice, and it's a bit of support. I think support is... Is, is the key thing um, and I think it needs to be a bit more mate. just check on everyone as if I saw a player who broke his leg last week or something and then I saw him on the sidelines I'll go and ask him oh, how's your leg how's things doing you're looking for that support and nurture kind of thing but mm. I agree how the media has definitely that? turned this on the side yeah how'd you start that Will what's the activation of it do we just come back and say right, we're all just going to give him a hand today looking, what's the activation from it nobody knew at all what the rainbow races was until he wore rainbow laces and people started saying, that's to help the LGBT plus community. That's what that's about. Oh, I just thought it was fucking rainbow races. What, what's to give the hell ref a hand for? What are you clapping on the ref for? Oh, listen, we want to give him a better, we want to give him a hand. We and the Sasa kicked off with me for wearing rainbow laces. Say again? And in 2013, I think it was, um, that's when I first discovered Stonewall Charity. And I was like, do you know what? Um, so all, I, I found them they were free to order online so I ordered the, the laces so I go about eight years and I was like do you know what I'm going to wear these from now on and I did what it was about yeah yeah I did yeah my, 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 my uncle's gay um, I've got um, a lot of friends in the like that gay and lesbian this before I knew about the rest of the, the letters if I'm honest um, but I, I I would wear them in solidarity to them and I think it. I think it was, I think it was thought it was really important. Um, about five Absolutely. or six games in, I got assessed and I got marked down for wearing rainbow laces. Mm. That's nonsense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll try and find it. I'll try and find it. I'll try and dig it out as proof because yeah. I, I, I've got nothing to lie about, honestly. But it's no, just, I'm not calling. I'm not, is, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm I know not you're not. You no, I know. I know. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's just like it's just it's just it's just it's just bullshit, really. End of the day, and like for instance, like when um you know that people have got different opinions about taking the knee and all that sort of stuff. You know, for me personally, I think it's really important. Everyone's going, oh, it's a political thing. This, that, and the other. Can you read beyond the lines, please, for for a couple of moments and realise the reason why people are doing it? So yeah. not nothing to do with a political message. It's to do with a standard message saying that black lives matter doesn't mean that only black lives matter we know all lives matter but yeah. black lives matter too and that's that, that's what the the message was um you know there's the all these taking the knee and clapping the referee out well uh, take, taking the knee is a bad thing now isn't it you know everyone's kicking off about it initially um, but... initially initially 
if someone's seen taking a knee, they'd ask why they're taking a knee. Then you can get out that positive message of what this is what we're fighting. Well, this that, is that was the activation of, of the act. Yeah. But everyone went against the clap to say, I'm not going to clap toes. Oh, it's, oh. When you're not realizing that was the activation of giving yeah. a young ref a hands. But and someone said it was someone said something about tokenism, and that's just what's yeah. happening now. Everything has to then have um, a three prong pr um, slogan. Everything has to come out with something into you know Black Lives Matter, clap NHS, you know like clap for the NHS. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a you know that's that's a three prong like you know stop drop roll fuck's sake do you know what I mean like when you when you when you're on fire you know it's just it's always it's just three things all the time it's just how can we make how can we make something that is really important to someone's life or um, a community's life or a demographic's life or a group's life cool how can we make it cool let's do this and I think that's what they've tried to do with with referees um that's what they try to do with racial and social injustice, which is the whole point of Black Lives Matter. I understand that BLM, the movement as a group, has got political undertones. I'm fully aware of that. I'm not stupid enough to believe that it doesn't. Everything's got some political, uh, uh, something political, whether whatever music you like, whatever, whatever sport you like, and then you'll have a mentality or an idea of something like that. So therefore, mm. it will have a political undertone some way. And if you turn around and say, I don't like politics, where well, you've got no conversation to have in anything, <laughs> because every single conversation <laughs> is political, irrespective so of what you believe and what you do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I know. Massively. You get what I meant by it. What it was, it wasn't like, Everything needs an activation to ask the question. Everything. And then we did the, we, I don't know if you've seen it, we did the uh, hashtag Drysdale effect. The Drysdale effect. Yeah. What I said about the Drysdale effect was, and again, people were like, oh, I don't want to wear a t shirt, head button, referee, referee's head button. There's been, uh, through the whole of history, there's been an incident that's been negative, that's had a positive outcome. We can go right back. We can go to, Emily Pankhurst throwing herself in front of a horse. We can go to Tian Tiananmen Square. We can go to, to Buddhist priests setting them on fire. Those negative, me too, those negative experiences have massive, massive positive outcomes. It's called a refocusing events. We believe, and I talked to all the trustees about this, Darren Drysdale, what he did has become a refocusing event because I've never seen anything what a referee's done that's wrong. We can't condone it. That brought a community together like what, what he did. Mm. I've never seen players coming out saying, oh, fuck me, I'm really gutted I did that to the referee. I, I can understand why he did that. The event was negative. Let's make the outcomes positive. And we we give the ref a hands. That's what it's all about. But because no one read the article, very few people read the article, you've seen a photo of Mike Dean and the words clap and think, fuck me, I'm not doing that. But what happens was, that yeah. went around the world, that's been discussed or being sent all the leaks. To me, that was job done. Because people are talking about referee abuse and we've got to do something about it. But no one else is doing anything apart from criticising. I don't want to get clapped out. So if you're not going to support it, what are you going to do about it? Well, that brings us on to the future. What's the future for those of, those of you uh, involved in leagues and Martin with a charity? Gav, your, your refereeing days are over or will you dust the, ref, the whistle off and get well, back into it? It does my head in. Because I I bumped into well, Andy Warmer is a championship referee, he's a Northampton guy, and every now and then we do chat and we bump into each other. I randomly bumped into him in New York, 
<laughs> Couldn't believe it. Coming out of Macy's, I was like, warmer. And he was like, Gav, look at you. You're still trim. You, you do this. I'll, I, like, just, I will help you and support you get to where you want to be. When I hear those conversations, I'm like, <sighs> because then it makes me think I want to do it. Because, but then the thought of it, the actual doing of it, yeah, like the fitness test is an embarrassment. It shouldn't be done in that way. I'm super fit. Well, I was super fit at the time, but I couldn't run because it's consistently for twelve minutes. But I could easily cover twelve k in the ninety minute game. Hmm. (laughs) So things like that. It's just like getting through, getting through them to that mentality of can I do that fitness test again? Things like that. That's mental health again, mate. Time and time, I see referees who as fit as you are. Well, they can't pass a fitness test because the mental challenge of running around in circles for that time and the pressure is, oh my God, if I, if I don't do this, I'm failed. That's mm. a unique pressure that we don't need. And, and I get, you know, a lot of people do that, Cap. It's a shame, shame we feel that way. But there's a lot of people like you, mate, who so we lose good referees purely because you think, you know what, that's not fit for the purpose. And there's fuck all I can do about it. The football, the, the, fit, the football league test, I, I, do you know what? I actually went out, I'm, I'm super unfit now. I smoke way too much cigarettes. <laughs> I don't smoke drugs like weed, like weed and stuff. I'm not into that sort of stuff. Um, oh, I, no, no, I'm, 30, I'm 34. I'm 34 this year. I haven't touched any drugs. Uh, well, the only drug I ever touched in my life was weed. And I haven't touched that since I was 17 years old. But tobacco and alcohol, I'm fine with. But like, I did the... I, I did the... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and cowpole, well, my daughter's four months old. Cowpole's still banging with lemonade. Um, oh, yeah, that cowpole, yeah. <laughs> uh, you mix it with Bongella in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you use a syringe? That's a new one. That's a new one. Babe, babe. Um, um, Bongella and cowpole works straight. <laughs> right, so, um, no, but like, I did the football league style test, the one that used to do like 150 metres, 30 seconds. And I did, I, I did that on Wednesday. I'm super unfit and I did that, but it's consistent. Like it's like stop, start, stop, start as a game would. And I can I could do that. And like, that's how they should I don't know. Like this is consistent, really. I don't know. But like I, I, at the age so of 33. No return. Like, at the age of 33, I think it's too late. I'd only be doing it to help out on a Sunday, and that's the last thing I'd want to do. I'd want to go back to UCL at least, or Southern League. Okay. Nothing wrong with Sunday League, by the way. <laughs> Sunday League's growing. Will, what, 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 how's it looking on the King County League going forward? I know there's all sorts of questions and arrangements being made at the moment with a restart. Um, being We're confident. We're confident. Obviously, the clubs will be presented with some options in a couple of weeks at a club meeting. Um, we could either vote to continue the season or we can null and void. Uh, but going forward, obviously, from a refereeing perspective, we'd always encourage anyone who's interested on take up the whistle to get in touch either with that's us direct um or with their county fa we can point them in the right direction and um, we'll support you through that and the, the best satisfaction really for us is it's annoying but we see referees get promoted from seven to six six to five to five as soon as they get five to four they're gone i mean we hate that because we love them referees because they've yeah. shown so they're doing so well we never want to get rid of our best referees but the actual pride of saying well they're going there now, they're going places, they're doing really well. Let's start the next challenge. So we really want to keep that going. And obviously, if they any referee who is a level four or three and they're coming back down the levels, please come back because we appreciate you. We don't mind. Yeah. Jim, what's it looking like for you? 
going forward. Going in, going again. I, I'm, I'm on the fence at the bit minute. Um, I think I said to you the other day when we was talking um, before um, on messages. I might just see how it goes. Um, might just do some lines until the end of the season um, when it starts up again. But what one thing that I, I'm quite worried about, um, and which you know I've got history on as well, is the way that um, Sunday league's going, and that you think that the referees are getting um, attacked in the Premier League for making stuff. All these, all all the camp in uh, now yeah. in Sunday league. L- lower level referees just look at it and just go, really? Because yeah. it's not a bad decision over 90 minutes. It's a bad decision over the next month. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's getting chucked out there. It's getting spoke about. And and whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, everyone will have their own views of it. Um, and, I, and I think it needs to be looked at and there needs to be some sort of support for for people to carry it on. I mean, some referees will, will fry from it, but I know other referees will not make decisions because they'll be worried of the backlash. So, yeah, I mean, of the you, way were, that you, were, you were that referee that made a big call in a YouTube, a big YouTube team game. And you, it was all over. It was all over social media for, for weeks. And yeah, I mean, talking about and, mental and it's, health. It, it, still, it still gets... It still gets spoke about now. I mean, uh, go back to the beginning where I talk about we all have a, we all have a little meeting in the ref room. Uh, referee tells us exactly what what he wants from us. Um, I I personally sat there, um, and and you hear people say like, okay, we've got the laws of the game, but then we've got common sense, and and I get that. Oh, good. But when I'm on a line, and a referee says to me. X, Y, and Z, right? And in particular, if there's any movement off that line on a pen, doesn't matter who it's for, right? Stand, hold, stand your ground. I'll look at you. I'll take the flag. 110% brilliant. Just happened to be this game um, against two very good teams who have big battles against each other. Um, SE Dons versus Bickley. Um, And it was, there was like six minutes left and um, there's a penalty for a handball, <coughs> um, which was a handball. He saw it. No one really moaned about it. I've stood right on the line. Uh, goalkeeper saved it. I've stood where I am. Holding my ground, thinking, look over. Look at me now. Yeah. Like, look at me. <coughs> and he hasn't looked at me. Some of the Bickley boys who obviously know the laws of going... Line up, ain't move, ref. Line up, ain't move. So I've had to flag, <coughs> flag the um, to get the attention of the uh, referee. Um, for that, the goalkeeper, he's come up to me, um, said his piece. The referees then said to me, "Okay, it's retake. Do you want me to send the goalkeeper off for 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 the way that he came up to me?" And I was like, "Look." We've got six minutes left, right? Let's get this penalty done. Book him, get this penalty done and get the game done. Um, 
so he books him, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, he f- f- throws the ball at a player, I believe, and someone else has a go at the, the person who was going to go in goal, then says something to the ref, so he gets simbined. Um, and an altercation happened or was said to have happened with a fan and the referee, and he said, right, calling it off. Just calling it off. And you think five, ten years ago, that's the end of it. But then it's not anymore because mm. they break it down. They put timers on. Why is the lino flag took seven seconds to flag um, yeah. for the but, keeper coming yeah. off the line? Let's put a line between this. the post. I remember oh, trying to explain this on the podcast that Jim, when it happened, everyone's going, you know, what's Alino doing? I said, he's standing his ground and he's trying to eyeball the fucking ref to tell him something's happened. Please <laughs> come and talk to me. Because, yeah, you just... And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got a lot of flack for that. And I tried my best to explain it. They give you... They give an angle of your of your view, which is from the halfway line. There's no way that they could they could see whether the goalkeeper was off the line or not. Um, it's tough. And, I mean, more and more teams are... Um, putting on these decisions. Dave, this leads me to you. You were part of the social media team as well for Westfa. When, yeah. when you see clubs putting on 10-second uh, videos of decisions and, and calling the refs crap on social media or or whatever, I mean, how do you deal with that? Because it's... I think, it's, I think as far as Westfa goes, I think they, they've ne- never really absolutely called out the referee and been, been insulted to... There's been the odd one, yeah. Um, but that, if that was picked up, that was past the county, yeah. And people have had bans because um, they've got to remember what, what they say on social media. They're still representing their club, yeah. Um, and if it's spotted and reported, they'll get banned, um, and the, the you know they'll get fined. Um, I, I going back to what uh, Jim said. I, I had an incident in a game, my first YouTube game. Um, was a team called Eltham SF, who are basically now under the radar and a bit of granite. Yeah. So, you know, they, they split when their own way. And uh, I didn't know anyone. I don't know anything about YouTubers or anything like that. And there's cameras on the side and it's like, wow, you know, great. Had my usual game. Um, that bad. And uh, <laughs> there's uh, Manny. Uh, Manny um, yep. aimed a headbutt at someone. Well, I thought it was. Um, so I recorded it. And I learned then, whatever you do, do not read the comments on a YouTube video. Yeah, no. Um, uh, it was... Oh, yeah. Some of the comments were quite hurtful. I mean, I, I look at it and I still think, yeah, it, it may have been harsh, but technically it was the right decision. Um... One one thing you know, and, and one thing I would say, go on, sorry. Yeah, I, I was just going to say. Since then, you know, I've had, Manny's a, a top guy. I, you know, he, he I've refereed him loads of times since. Um, great player, good, nice bloke, and never, never sort of held it against me at all. Um, but yeah, it's it is the way it's going. Social media is a it's a great thing for leagues. It really is. It's highlighting grassroots football and there's some good football being played at our level. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, it's also putting the spotlight more on the referees. Martin, but I must say, go on, going go on, from too. a little comment you've just said about money, is um, I did, I then didn't do an SE Don's game for a, quite a long time, and um, through Saturday football, I, I I bumped into a few of their play, a few of the players, which absolutely sweet with me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and then I've done a couple of games since, um, and I've got to say, again, absolutely sweet with me. Um, yeah, that's good. I've been bench side with them all, um, and the banter was back there and stuff. Um, but so I, I totally respect that from them, and I do respect yeah. that from them. But then, obviously, they need to understand what that what they're putting on yeah. their actions, the comments that my eleven year old boy will will read. Yeah, and I mean, so there's a knock on, and they know my boy because. My boy, he, he loves watching them. Andrew, Andrew's digs me out. Oh, I used to go and watch him. Blah, blah, blah. I'll take my, he'll go, can we go and watch Jesse Dons? I'll go, come on then. And I'll take him. He'll be like, oh, can I see, can I get a picture with Zach? I was like, Zach, is it all right? I have a picture. So I'll take a picture in that. So he saw it as, why, why aren't we going to Jesse Dons anymore? Or why, why have they said this on here about you? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just football, mate. Do you know what I mean? And and that's what affected me more um, than than most of it. And then the players, I've got to show massive respect for because they've been great. Ever any other game I've done with them, yeah, they haven't held it against me. That's I'm, I'm sad, though, say, isn't it? So sad. Yeah. I've got to say, having having refereed them a couple of times myself, two or three times, um, the players themselves, absolutely excellent. Absolutely no issues with mm. the players themselves. And even some of the media content, I think uh, they highlighted a bit of my, my pitch, my rules last year, a bit of voiceover for me. Um, you know, they paid not, you for it. Hey, they paid you for it. Get the royalties, son. I think the best one was <laughs> William to the cap with nine lives. But, but stuff like that. <laughs> but but it's it's the antics on the sideline as well. The antics on the sideline and the comments and they, I mean, they do it for the following. It's great. It's a great watch, but it's projecting the wrong image occasionally and leading to people thinking the wrong behaviour is right. Martin, so I think as our, as our final comment, what's the, what's the future hold, in your opinion, for, for grassroots referees? I, I'm worried over the last couple of weeks, some of the things that's gone on with player-referee relationships, you know, Luke Shaw throwing referees under the bus. They want us to talk to them, and then they throw us under the bus when we do talk to them. Yeah. The the, the death threats aren't new. Let's be honest, because look what happened to Michael Oliver and Lucy Oliver, pull us through the door. So that that's always going to be there. I, my hope is that I don't need a hotline. I hope I can close that hotline down. I don't need to go at clubs on social media because the the spouting bollocks. And everyone just looks at them, and then we, when we go at them, people tell us, "Oh, well, you're a charity; you shouldn't do that." But people realise that if, if they're going to come at referees, some referees don't want to go back because they haven't got a voice. Mm. Some don't want to go back because the FA might charge them or the league might charge. So I'll do it for you. And the amount of people that come to me and say, "Do us a favour," people think we've got people everywhere. But people come to me and go, "Do us a favour. Will you have a look at this post? Yeah. Someone just posted this about a referee all over the country." So I'll go up and have a go with them to get to get it making look ridiculous. 
which doesn't look brilliant to some people's eyes because of we shouldn't be doing that. But then we get the clubs to apologise on social media and go, listen, that wasn't us, that was with the chairman's the chairman make it that's some lads we we employees to do our social media and and all those little tiny throwing the starfishes back into the sea one by one will clear the beach. And I think I just hope I don't have to do that. I hope we can talk more about referees having a crack, about understanding that look at us all here, how much we love the game. Mm. That's completely alien to some people. But until you understand that the camaraderie you get and 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 the support you can get, you don't have to pay an organisation for it. You, the people are willing to give it. So give them give them the avenue to do it. Let's be able to be more vocal and say, excuse me, like that, I've got a son that's going to read that remark. My son's a fan of your club. My my daughters, you know, recognizing and just switching them off. That's the bit I'm hopeful about. But I'm not going to hold my breath, and I just hope that. We close our hotline and we can talk about refereeing and having a crack rather than, you know, defending death threats and shit like that. I absolutely agree. I thank you very much, everybody, for your time tonight. I'm hoping that we can start to improve the the way uh, people looking to come into refereeing view the game with people like you around, with leagues like Westfar, with leagues like the Kent County League. Um, with charities and support networks like uh, Ref Support, I'm hoping we're not going to lose a generation of refs. I know there's been no courses, so we've got no fresh blood coming into the game as it is now anyway, which is going to be a problem. Um, but I hope that people see the positives in refereeing and I hope that, the, as I say, we can all work together to improve the, the um, overall experience for uh, people, any people coming into refereeing. Guys, Thank you very much for your time tonight. We've been It's been a long show, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, I wish you all the best in the future and I hope to speak to you soon. All the best, chaps. All the best. Cheers, 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 Cheers. Take thank care, you, yeah? Have Take a good care, one. guys. Okay. Thank you. Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.